0: I am so excited for my next guest, Ellie Goldsmith, because he's actually my first international guest uh, where he's calling in from Jerusalem. So a little bit about Ellie is he's originally from London, now Jerusalem, is a consultant, does PR, known affectionately by students as the Midnight Rabbi, Unity booking agent, manager, dedicated author, teacher, director, and producer. What doesn't this guy do? So I'm so excited to find out the Myronies in his life. So let's uh, bring on Ellie and see what's going on on the other side of the world. Hi, Ellie. I'm so excited to have you here today as I, I just did a little intro on you. And I know, I mean, oh my goodness, you do so many different types of work. So I cannot wait to find out more and also discover the Myronies that have been going on in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not normal, like, how divinely serendipity, all the different words that you could use, that we're meant to be sitting here together and talking tonight of all nights. And I mean, that for you guys, it's in the morning. But that's one of the beauties that we've gone past time and distant in this whole connection. And I'm really happy to be here and join that myrony. It's a big, (laughs) you know, blessing. Thank you.
0: Oh, well, thank you, Ali. I mean, it's, it's such an, it's, it's truly my honor. I mean, as I I, I said, you're actually my first true international guest. So I'm very excited. I've interviewed a couple people in Canada, but you're the, you're the first one that I'm like, wow, this is really, this is really special. And, you know, I just want to share with the listeners of how we connected because um, it was actually through Jeff Pulver and his incredible uh, networking group known as the Zulas and for anybody that wants to join a very heart-centered amazing group of business people and, and or just people in general and just to have conversation you just go to pulver.com and you know register for the Zula but I'm curious how did you first meet Jeff
1: So Jeff is an it's an amazing story with him cuz because- my family, thank God, you know, just a little background on myself. I grew up in the music business in London. They are involved in the biggest promotions of the biggest events in history. Live Aid, Live Earth, Live Eight. Oh, know, my So big stuff that I grew up with. And one of the key bands that my father was involved with in the merchandise and my uncle in the promotions was Led Zeppelin. So oh when there was a need to make a... Yeah, a Led Zeppelin reunion, which was around, in you know, 2008-9. You know, they needed to bring back together the two main key players there, Robert Plant and, and uh, Jimmy Page, I think. So he needed someone to be that go-between and make that happen, and that was my uncle, Harvey Goldsmith. And my father, who did the merchandise and was involved, had the keys for getting those last tickets that were still Sort of not really available, but you through the right avenues you could get hold of them. And Jeff knew my family from you know probably all his, well, his large networking world. Jeff Alva, as we know, and he was in Israel at the time. Um, and my father said to me, "You got to meet this guy, Jeff." He put on a big event like a few months before, called um, Jerusalem Rocks with uh, Black Eyed Peas, and there was a big a big deal what Jeff did with with a, Group of partners. And my father had been reached out to by them to bring Leonard Cohen and some other great, great acts to Israel. So I was in Israel and I was doing what I was doing there, already like on my own spiritual myrady journey, you know, like really very much focused on the soul and teaching. And I was up all night. People call me the Midnight Rabbi. And I was working for a program which was basically kids, the teenagers at risk. And their studio had been destroyed, burnt down by the kids. So they needed a new recording studio. And there I was in this program, and I'm a music guy, you know, used to be in many rock bands and involved with like all kinds of events when growing up in London. And also when I came to Israel, I was doing a lot of events, but more small time stuff. And I realized that there's this opportunity because the organization that used to run the Battle of the Bands in Israel had packed it in for some reason. And I decided I'm going to be the guy to get all these teenagers, instead of them on the streets, but get them to do a massive event and get them back in studios. So I need my own studio to get that moving. Uh-huh. So it was sort of amazing, as you would say, myrony, serendipity, divine providence. But my dad says to me, you've got to meet this Jeff guy and have a chat with him. So I phone him up and he says, um, you know, I'm in Tel Aviv, come to the Montefury Hotel. And at that time, I was honestly like just a give sort of like a background where I was holding personally, I'd gone through a lot of spiritual changes, like from growing up a more secular, traditional um, Jewish background in North London. And I got very awakened by my religion and spirituality to the point where I was very like disconnected in some way from the world, even though mm-hmm. I was teaching and I was involved with teenagers and I was still had that music inside of me and that vision but I needed to not be online, I wasn't on the internet, and I was like in a in a very spiritual place. So mm-hmm. to hang out in Tel Aviv, in the Montferi Hotel, it's a very nice place, but, you know, just to say the women aren't exactly dressed, you know, like the normal way. And it's a different kind of environment that I was hanging out with in Jerusalem in the holiest place in the world, you know, in terms of how I viewed it then. Mm-hmm. and. So I phone up Jeff and I said, you know, I don't know if Tel Aviv's is going to work out, are you coming to Jerusalem the next few days? And he says, yeah. So we meet by this big tower of David and he's standing there. First time I meet Jeff, Palver, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he looks like very happy with his friends, his partners, people that I've got to know a bit more myself over the years. And he gives me like a big hug, you know, Jeff style. Mm-hmm. And I start talking with him and he says, Look, Ellie, I want to like. I know your father told me about your great work with teenagers at risk and being on the streets. And he mentioned something about music. And I said yes. I told him about the studio idea, and I want to do a concert. So he literally, at that time, you know, I'm not saying he's open to do that now, but at that time, he was able to. He literally handed me his card. I phoned up the place I was working for, handed over like a very generous donation, and it literally paid for the whole music studio. So everything was now, yeah, everything. Like we're talking about like a studio that was burnt out. So the walls needed to be redone and we need to put, you know, make it sound efficient and and all the different things. The computer back in the day was a PC and then the the program and all the different stuff that we needed for the studio. The the music equipment was all brand new. We were able to cover it all. And thanks to Jeff. And not only that, later on, he went and continued to help me make a beautiful unity concert in jerusalem where we had like around 20 bands performing in a big event and a thousand people attendance and he was one of the people i mean had other partners as well but it was just amazing how that first meeting with him was of tremendous kindness obviously we hanged out got to know each other he got the tickets he wanted through my father to led zeppelin and he'll talk about that you know a few times on our zula he'll mention how amazing that show was seeing said that you know back again in in the, you know, on stage in 2008, nine, whenever it was exactly, I can't remember. But um, that was the, how we met through music and through unity concerts and, you know, making a big impact in the world that Jeff was at that time and, and also my family. And it was nice that I could then give it to the youth and help them at risk teenagers instead of being on the street and doing whatever they were doing. You know, like many of them told me stories about how it literally saved them from, very bad situations because instead of doing whatever they would have done they went and jammed and, and and they formed a band and it focused them for those few years that I was running that kind of event wow. in Israel um I'm now obviously changed to a different project but you know because the, the whole climate's changed in the last 10 years but it was a very amazing opportunity and that's how I met Jeff and we continued from then on I was getting a bit more open again back to the real world and I started hanging out and meeting him in tel aviv we met uh many times at mel one of his friends mel robbins i think it's Mel no, Robbins. mel uh i've forgotten his name but the the book guy our books guy so he, we met up many times uh at his events with with jeff's breakfast and also jeff did a bunch of cocktail parties and i came in the full get up and it was like you know mm-hmm. a lot of israeli people aren't used to seeing more religious looking people at these kind of events but I was there and I was totally engaged with the people and the, the situation. A lot of my friends from London, from my you know life before, came and hanged out with me there, and it, it ended up bringing me back much more into the world. And not only that, Jeff gave me a lot of encouragement with joining the online world. Like he helped me get more functional on Twitter and Facebook, and oh, he gave wow. a lot of support and a lot of good contacts. And he really helped me establish myself online, whereas I hadn't really had much to do with it for about ten years. I was like. I was online when there was email and things were simple. but those 10 years of Facebook and YouTube when it first started, I, and then Instagram, for sure, I wasn't on any of those things. It was only the last 10 years, thanks to that whole relationship, that I started building my online um, presence and reconnecting with everything before and building new networks and all the students and going ahead now with like the larger projects I'm trying to do. so.
0: Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that is a much bigger irony than I expected.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, you I just got mean... a picture. The guy literally handed me his card and said, you know, go, go do what you need to do. And like, that was the relationship with Jeff for all those few years, like at that beginning stage. And always when, even till the last time I saw him in Tel Aviv, which was 2019, obviously before Corona mm-hmm. kicked in. And we met up at uh, one of these breakfasts on the rooftop and it was just really positive a lot of love you know everyone's gone through their journey as Jeff has as well and he wasn't like in the same place as I first originally met him so it wasn't now about and I wasn't looking for donations or investments or anything like that it was more of coming together as friends Mm -hmm. and communicating as you know a a continuation of our relationship and when he started this Zula that was like life-changing especially during this corona challenge and that's where I met you and all our other friends and Wow. And it's been a really amazing support system this whole year like it's literally has empowered me to do so much positive projects which i'd happy to talk about later on you know
0: we definitely are going to talk about that we're going to you know talk we're, we're we're definitely going to dive in on a whole bunch of things i mean but i can't get over because you know the the idea of this concept of myrony is it's literally a more modern day word for synchronicity However, it's, it's really has its own definition because it's synchronicity in motion. You see a sign or there's something that happens, you know, like you could have made that choice. No, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to meet this guy and look at what happened with all of that, but like all the different pieces. So I actually love saying it's the divine design that interweaves us together. It's not just weaving us. It's like going deep. And I mean, that is truly incredible. So what up? What a fabulous, myronic story between the two of you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that
1: that studio is still, some of the equipment still being used by musicians to, who don't have much you know, income. They're using it to teach drums or, it's still a, the, the overflow of that initial meeting and that kindness is continued till now. There's still guys who I talk to who remember those events and how impactful they were in their, their life then. And uh, it inspired a lot of what I'm doing now in terms of this concept of unity because it gave me ability to manifest it here and in, in my life in Jerusalem you know
0: yeah so, so let's go big. back to I mean you're when you were a kid you said you grew up in London you uh I mean what you just explained of your connection in your uh, the musical connection your family and you know being a part of that world how long were you in London for?
1: So I grew up and I was born in 1980 and I was there during the 80s, 90s, those 20 years. I did come to Israel at the end, 1999, but really those, I would say, was a solid, you know, 18, 19, 20 years that I was there as a child growing up and being a teenager with access to the music world, you know, was just out this world. I mean, wrestling as well, because I was, my family were the main promoters of WWF back in the day with Hulk Hogan and that whole scene and British Bulldog and, you know, Ric Flair and Bret Hart. And I used to do modeling as uh, for my family's merchandise for the WWF. And I, I was used to dress up in the, you know, what was his name? Uh, the Heartbreak Kids, you know, Shawn Michaels, you know? <laughs> had all this lever on me. And thank God I had I looked a little bit more, you know, like uh, how I did in that, in that time, you know, a bit more model style than I do now, but, um, Thank God, you know, it was it was an amazing experience growing up in the more celebrity music world, backstage experience, and it obviously gave me a lot of friends. Oh um, my goodness! And but I, they weren't like there were one or two people who seemed to use me in those days. But even those people, like you're saying, that's irony. I went back to London like not so long ago, like a few actually my last visit, and my wife and I were stuck to get somewhere. And that guy who back in the day used me for tickets, because it was an obvious thing, like I, there were some situations that happened as a teenager that it was obvious he was using me at that time. Mm-hmm. I reconnected to him like a few different times, but on Facebook. And I said to him, Let's, you know, are you available now? Because he wanted to meet me when I came to England. I, for some reason, he'd been in Israel. He just felt he needed to stay in touch with me. And he knew maybe about my family a little bit as well. Anyway, he then picked us up, took us all where we needed to go, drove us around, called up. He asked me, he said, look, I'm really looking for a job. He ended up with a job. And he's been at that job this whole Corona time. He's been the main guy. because mm-hmm. was the person who ran my family's warehouse, got Corona, and couldn't come back. Oh, and goodness. he's literally become, like, the guy running all their stuff. And it's, like, just from that, I could have said, oh, this guy used me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the truth was it was a one-time, you know, thing. And maybe I would have done the same at that age as well. And to hold a grudge and to push him away instead of now we've got a friendship, you know, that even better than it was when we were kids. You
0: know? Oh, that's so, beautiful. I love that because, you know, it's, it's, it's I mean, that's really just one
1: of a million stories. You
0: know? I'm sure. More. I mean, that was actually when, you know, we got to know each other a little bit more in the zoo. I was like, Oh my goodness. I need to ask to be on the podcast because I know you would have some good stories, you know, like, it really, and, and, and it's, it's those, it's that whole thing when, you know, doors open, we have to walk through and, you know, the fact that you were able to just let go of whatever that was and been like, you know, we're young or whatever, you know, not going to be the same person, you know, people evolve. It's that whole thing when, you know, people are like, oh, people don't change or, you know, it's uh, when we can connect on that more higher spiritual level, which I love, that's how you feel connected to. And that's how I feel connected to and in, in everything that I do, you know, truthfully, um, I, I represent God is love with Winky here in my logo. God is love with an awesome sense of humor.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. You, know, you got to keep a smile. And, you know, I would say also what I've noticed with your podcast, you've got some really inspirational people coming on like i really enjoyed listening to the last bunch of series and our episodes and i recommend people listening to those past episodes but like one of the things that i would say is important that what you're doing and jeff represented he also said to me never burn your bridges he once said Mm -hmm. that to me and i've seen that in business like it's not worth burning your bridges and it comes from spiritual ideas as well that I'm aware of, that I've learned, you know, in mystical texts of these and this, we have to be a more godly, divine person. And I try, when I communicate to people, to be as down to earth now and as more universal as possible and not to, like, burden people with my spiritual understandings because I do, for the you know, that's the Jewish way of saying, you know, without the evil eye, but I do have a lot of um, knowledge, in my opinion, not in an arrogant way, just, it just like, God bless me in a way that I can absorb a lot of material and like I internalize a lot of podcasts nowadays but back in the day it was sitting in a very spiritual setting and learning and learning the ways of God and the ways of you know spirituality and it was a lot of like kabbalistic mystical deep internal work over many years but I tried to keep that very much um, internal and it's something which it has to come out in a way that's relatable and real. Mm-hmm. And that's why what you said about stories is the key because stories everyone can understand. It's, that's the universal language and right. everyone can be inspired by stories. And if I start using terminologies of like mystical terminologies, you know, only, the, only people who are familiar with that will understand or I have to constantly explain myself. So I, that's one of the things that, thank God growing up in the entertainment world, and having access to the music world and the promotional world and the merchandise world and the marketing world, it gave me an insight to communication. And I'm seeing now that I'm 40 now, I'm 41 actually just last, you know, a week ago or so, I have the opportunity to communicate more and more as time's going on to the larger public. And now it's my goal to make sure that communication is clear. As you're doing a podcast, so am I. And I want more and more opportunities to put that down in reality. And that Jeff is definitely uh, one of the role models. And I, I put him as such, you know, on Facebook. And if you remember back in the day, you mm-hmm. could choose different like relationships you have with people.
0: Oh and yeah. Could
1: describe. So he was one of the people I called a role model, you know, on Aww. Facebook. You know, like I define him that I don't know if it's so relevant anymore. I don't know if these things, these kind of like a lot of things on social media you have to go with the changes. It doesn't seem so significant now that I gave him that status. I don't think anything it made any difference on the Facebook algorithms or I, I don't know. But um, <clears throat> the point is that, that, that having connection to a lot of different kinds of people and going in that journey has really helped. And that's why I'm really happy that you asked me to come because you are you know, someone I haven't met before like this last year. And mm-hmm. you, you've really also gone on your journey. I listen to your stories and it's amazing. You know, this oh. process of, of self-discovery doesn't mean it, everything's easy, you know? It doesn't yeah. mean that even if things that you're seeing the morality, you're seeing the the, the the synchronicity, excuse me, if the word ends there, right, serendipity, or you're seeing the flow, you're, you're in that, but you still might not have the emotional readiness for it, or you might not have the intellectual capability to explain it or or even you know you're gonna be in all kinds of situations gonna be a struggle like sometimes it's not what you were planning you know right. we weren't planning this year to be this way but at the same time like once we get that humility of life and we understand that we're not in control so then this year that brings us onto Zoom and onto all these Zulas and all these opportunities to meet each other these these online communities then we see that there's a new flow, even if it's not in person, but it still has dynamics that are really empowering and amazing.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we can look at we we should be able to look at the good even when there's, you know, not when I mean, when we could say the bad. I mean, yes, it's been tragic what's happened, but the way but there 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 really has been this major shift. And I'm so grateful to be able to have these, you know, these conversations. And, and I, I I'm, I'm so appreciate everything you said about my journey because I'm just here to try to help people who have felt lost in life. I mean, I was so lost and I'm actually, um, you know, in the process of writing a memoir called Please Save Me. It's how I discovered my renee, but also God and not just the universe. I was a total oh. universe girl for a while and it was because actually it was because of being brought up Catholic not that there's anything wrong with it it's just that I could not just accept that way of thinking I was one of those people who was like if I lived in another part of the world that's what I would be brought up with and that's what I would believe how can I say this is the only way And I'm, you know, I, and on my personal belief, I think God's so brilliant. He's like, I'm going to give this bit of wisdom, this bit of wisdom, this bit of wisdom. Are they going to put it together or only claim one piece of their own? And I really think, you know, God is who you find inside of you, you know? And so that's what I'm really trying to do with this podcast is people create another relationship to God that maybe they can just open, open it up a little bit more, open the box that has been that God has been put in 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 some ways. And so Yeah, you know, I mean it,
1: it, that's that's the one of the biggest keys of of everything that of life is to not put a limitation on your relationship with this higher power, however uh-huh. people define it. And a famous saying of a, of a very well-known rabbi that I sort of work for not him because he's no longer alive, but his legacy and his movement is still alive. And in fact, it's growing even now, even though he's not alive. That's how powerful his message was. One of the famous sayings he said is to not, is, is he used to tell people, I also wouldn't believe in the God that you believe. in." He always used to say that to all kinds of atheistic, you know, and, and not agnostic people he used to encounter and play chess with and have deliberations with. He'd say, I also wouldn't believe in that kind of God, the God that you, have defined as God I would not want to have nothing to do with you know right so that that's a very important clarification that that you have to really allow yourself to let go a little bit and experience this higher power that's there to only help you and only Mm -hmm. help humanity and help us have more meaning and definition and purpose and empowerment and all the good things that people talk about nowadays and all the thought leaders and all the you know, a high-level conscious way of talking that's on, on, on the web and you know, is currently growing all the time, that if you let yourself uh, available to be a vessel for this spiritual light that's constantly manifesting in everyday life, then you can have a whole different level. And that's one of the, the things I think that would resolve a lot of the divi- diverse, uh, sorry, diversity, not the diversity in the next way, but the divi- divisiveness. Diversity yeah. is actually an amazing thing. The divisiveness that's being created right now by the media and the politics is really like the opposite of what that divine flow can be and bring us together. And it's almost like there's forces wanting us to not be aware of this divine flow. And and also even more important, in my opinion, is to not realize how amazing we all are as humanity, that we're souls, that we have a divine essence to ourselves that gives us that ability to have a connection to the divine and make sense of this all and that soul level is what i'm focusing on very much right now because i feel like that is a solution to most of today's issues
0: i I absolutely agree No, I I am right there with you. I'm right there with you. I believe if we can actually start looking from the soul level, and if you want to get angry at anybody, get angry at your higher self. Your higher self is the one that can be the masochist because you're trying to get to this higher level of awareness. You're trying to get to this understanding. God just allows it to happen for our own soul growth. When we can get to the point where we truly can look at everything we've somehow have allowed it to be, you know, and take responsibility. And there's, there's ways, there's, there's so many different ways of looking at it, but it's just like, maybe we just got to open it up a little bit more. So that's why I love, I love what you're doing. I feel like we're kind of doing a similar thing and I think maybe we're going to need to talk about this a little bit more, <laughs> but yeah. you know, we can always
1: do a part two, no problem. Yeah, yeah no, that's, absolutely. That's a good thing. absolutely. I,
0: I've realized I'm
1: writing a book now. Like I've, written a book and I'm taking it to a publisher and I said to the publisher this book literally is just a mission statement it's not even like the beginning it's just literally just the first line excuse me I can say the word literally but it you know it's a a book of literature (laughs) you know it's 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 the beginning of the process of of my mission statement to have this book out there please God, and I'm sure with your book as well and the key is to the, the way I approach it to the publisher. I'm not saying you should do this, but I would say this to people to have that open mind uh, approach of this might be just the beginning of a series. The,
0: yeah. same
1: with the podcast like, it, like we don't have to do also, like you said, not to limit God, not to limit ourselves mm-hmm. and allow ourselves to go with the flow and, and allow ourselves to begin projects and allow the flow. To take over that we can achieve much more than we even imagine with the projects absolutely with the, book, with the right. podcast with the relationship you know i don't want to limit my relationship to people even my you mentioned about the soulmate before like often we can get into habits and in, in there's good habits i'm a very big fan of of stephen covey's seven habits and eight habits and i even wrote my own 10 habit version and i have it in my head in my course and it's one of my ways of thinking that's very helpful. But at the same time, there's a lot of habitual ways of being in relationships which limit your ability. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things I've learned in business. To Also, you know, like throughout week after week, there's all the time stumbling blocks. People aren't doing what supposedly they're supposed to do in your business. You know, I'm, I'm a director of a program and there's people in the team who are not really functioning how I want or people leave, people come. it, And I'm not responsible for those kinds of decisions. But in terms of getting the content out to the world and putting on the events and the, the right now it's online events and online um, classes, which thank God, like one, one of our weekly classes get a minimal 30,000 viewers. So that's, you know, we're mm-hmm. impacting people. It's making a difference. And I have to deal with all the impact in terms of the feedback and the questions. And on the MC. It's a lot of work for me, but I could get like very, you know, upset with people when they're not doing their part, like in the studio or the video editing or, the website posting or the YouTube posting, all the different aspects that are not working out exactly at the highest level that I'd want. Mm -hmm. And, or, or even anyone, our viewers would want, sometimes we get feedback. Why is this not happening? Why not happen? And then we have the opportunity. How do I process the situation again? Just like I mentioned with my friend back in the day, rather than turning it into a negative thing, like I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be encouraging Like these are godly attributes that I'm going to bring into my business work experience that we, you know, people would call it just being a good, a good person, you know, whatever, however you want to define it. But the bottom line is it it creates good relationship experiences and same with like the Zula space. Sometimes, you know, I I come on there in the meetings that we have the private rooms, I don't even get to speak. And you know what? like today when there was one meeting. They didn't even mention me. They didn't even notice me. Like, they just were speaking and speaking. And you know what? I just felt like I was an active listener. But by just being there, and I've noticed sometimes just being present and being involved, I have an effect without even having to say something. And allowing things, not trying to force stuff, not trying to, you know, change um, in an aggressive way or a hustling way situations. Allowing things to take part, you know, Another business I'm involved in, I book artists, know, yeah, music artists. Uh, it's called Unity Bookings. It's part of my overall Unity inspired project. So I'm booking artists, and you know, there's still stuff that's going on to do with past cancellations, still going on since you know the Corona challenge started in March. There's still stuff that needs to be taken care of that wasn't paid back or whatever.
0: Right. And
1: um. I could get like all involved, and I could prove my point that I was right then. I have. Photos of every single WhatsApp conversation at that point that I could send to the people and say, You look, see that other guy? He wasn't exactly this, and I was right. I could prove my point, but I'm not going to do it unless it's legally I need to, like there's some sort of legal reason for it. I'm not going to start pushing back on people because my bigger mission is souls and, and creating a unity experience where we're together. I'm not. Mm-hmm. We're a team. I'm not here to prove myself better than you. And yes. I've noticed over the years by constantly being loyal to people and always trying to just do the right thing in these kind of situations. In the long term, all my relationships have continued in business. Oh, that's- and thank God, I, I I can feel like a piece of myself when I go to sleep or something that I haven't burnt anyone. I haven't intentionally hurt anyone. And if there's anything that's seen that way, I've apologized. And you know, I. We have like a festival in Israel that just was, called Purim, which works out my birthday. And one of the things you do is you give presents to people. Mm-hmm. I went to the people about uh, 12 years ago or more, maybe 14 years ago. I went to the people that literally threw me out of this institute for no good reason. Yeah? No. I didn't do anything wrong. I actually ended up leaving myself more than they threw me out, but they it pretty much making it very difficult for me. I went to those people and gave them all gifts on that festival. I went out my way to their houses, even though I could have been very upset with them and bitter with them, and you know. And only years later, they finally realized how wrong they were and came and asked my forgiveness. But I've already, I'd already settled it years before, like you know. And this is the kind of thing with life—you get these opportunities and relationships. And one of the blessings I had that to get back to the soulmate thing is I had my soulmate throughout this whole journey. Like I always had someone in my life who I could partner with and everything I was doing. And she knows all my stories. She remembers me when I used to run nightclubs in London.
0: Oh, and I,
1: wow. I, I, ran a night, yeah, I ran a nightclub called Pimps and Horse. Excuse my language, but that was the name. You know, I was a bit of a player back in London. So, and she was there at my night. She was at my, you know, event. You know, obviously I gave her, we weren't like going out, but there was a soul connection even then that I had noticed. And even though I wasn't so soulfully attuned, but I just knew there was something very special about her. And I obviously got her into the party for free. She was one of the few VIPs I gave. And we ended up, our original time we met was in the gym, but we ended up becoming best friends from that gym meeting. And, you know, like, it's just amazing. I was 16 years old when I, when I first spoke to her. The first oh, time we actually wow. met each other when I was 14, 14, yeah. And it was on a very special day in our calendar. It's called Yom Kippur. It's like uh, the holiest day of the year. It's so the one day you can't get Jeff on the internet. He takes the whole day off.
0: That's Jeff right. Pulver <laughs> is
1: not on the internet for that one day. That's how holy that day is. Jeff Pulver is non-contactable <laughs> on Yom Kippur. So I was at, at 14 years old going around the different places of worship. As, we, as I was a teenager, I wasn't really interested in worshipping. I was interested in socialising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there is this pretty girl and i was introduced and we smiled she apparently fell in love with me that first time she saw me Aww. and that was how it always was she always wanted to be my you know soulmate she from that 14 year old meeting and 16 year old when we first spoke to each other and we just came closer and closer and we got married when we were 21 so
0: wow you know, it's been
1: 19 years yeah
0: that is so I didn't beautiful have to go. On-
1: yeah I didn't have to go on dates like a lot of my friends like you know I'd had relationships before her but it was all like in a in a different context when I came to Israel for three years we were both here and growing spiritually and I just knew deep down that she was the one and I didn't need to go on any dates or any headaches it was just clear Sarah. Yeah, this is my soulmate
0: it's it's funny, my parents, um, they were married almost 43 years before my dad passed away, but it was the first time my dad met my mom. He said, One day I'll marry you. And you know, it's just that you just know. Yes. And I love hearing stories like that. There's um I, yeah. I, I think one of the most beautiful books I've ever read about soulmates is called Only Love Is Real by Dr. Brian Weiss. And it kind of gives a different perspective on but what our different levels of soulmates, because, you know, we have soulmate friends, we have, you, you know, soulmates in, in, in so many different relationships. And I think even some of our soulmates are mental, we're supposed to learn some lessons from, but when you can have that really beautiful, amazing connection, I mean, you can't deny that level of divine providence as you like, you know, as said before, and that that's just so beautiful. And I'm just so happy for you both, because I think that's ultimately, if we can get to that point in being given that gift, that is amazing. And I also want to say everything that you've been been talking about, you know, this whole, I love saying, step aside, let God guide. It's not on our timing necessarily. It's on a much different divine timing, you know, but when we keep those doors open, or as you said, what Jeff told you, don't ever burn any of those bridges. It's like, you just never know what the what the bigger picture is and I like to say that the myronies lead us to the pieces in this giant puzzle we call life you know and for people when who are listening it's just like just be in action you see those things or or that conversation or you know just just know there might be something so much greater so that is awesome well, I want to get into more about the Uni- Unity Inspires projects because I know there's so much to that. So please share that the, okay, I wanna, giant I vision. Say t- <laughs> I,
1: w- I want to say two more things that I think you'll appreciate. And then I'll have to get into Unity Inspires. But just on the soulmate aspect, um, You mentioned that you believe many people have many soulmates. So I want to just tell you, interestingly, it's good to know that we have a text called the Talmud. It's an ancient text and it says there that every person has at least seven soulmates. That's what it says in the ancient text.
0: Oh, wow. So
1: obviously the ideal is to have the soulmate, like the one who's destined for you. And but right. if those, for whatever reason, it doesn't work out because, you know, these spiritual realms are complicated and you end up in a, in a different relationship with someone else because you didn't live up to your potential that was needed to be with that person. And, Therefore, you were given another soulmate, but that's still your soulmate. That's the point. So right. when people go through many marriages or many relationships, it doesn't mean you've you've lost your soulmate. It doesn't mean that.
0: Uh-huh. And
1: the real the real key is, and this is what we'll end off on this point, uh, and, and we'll get to the unity projects, is that if a person's in touch with themselves, like really, like you, like you you really know you, and and you're really being real with yourself and facing your life issues and practicing it's my belief totally you will be attracting your soulmate by doing that yes i
0: agree
1: and that's the same with you know your mission and it's all very connected you know where you live and everything that that makes a person's life it's a lot like you said before the responsibility of a person to really deal with their their baggage you know i could say in rude words but the point is to deal with their (laughs) stuff and to really face you know and once you get that soulmate, what happens is it sort of 10 xes that experience, you know, like or beyond even like you on a daily level now on a personal level in your own space, constantly having to deal with real stuff and you can't just escape. The key is that you don't what well, you should realize that that is the biggest gift. Yeah, like a, a, one of my friends said, you don't want a trophy wife. You want a wife that helps you get trophies. You don't want a husband <laughs> who's gonna like, you know, give you everything. You want a husband's gonna and they he's gonna empower you to be, you know, whatever the soulmate is is gonna build you. That's the point.
0: Yeah. And absolutely. That
1: is it's a different way of thinking of rather than trying to avoid the struggle, embrace the struggle, enjoy it, enjoy the the, the challenges, enjoy this challenge we've had this last year, as hard as it is and tragic as it is. And that brings me now to my unity project. So I was sitting working for corporate and I was not enjoying the experience working for corporate America. Not that you know, all corporate America has to be this way, but the way it was being run in that specific company was, it just felt very suffocating, very not like positive, empowering. It was a lot of people were taking good ideas that I had, higher management, using them in their name. And then like, you know, those kind of experiences. And I was sitting in this little office doing this work for this company. And I was like, I know I'm meant for something more. Like this can't be my purpose to do this sort of like, you know, uh, painful job experience. And on the side, I was like working on this blog called Unity Inspires Projects. Um, I already did a concert called Unity uh, of the Bands. And I'd already made Unity events in Jerusalem for musicians, but I hadn't really scaled it. Because i just, you know, i have been busy working and I hadn't taken it to that next step. So I started doing blogs and that forced me to start to think about it more and more. And I think unity in education, unity in fashion, which funny enough, right now, one of my friends just sent me their book, um, which is very much connected to unity in fashion. They even uh, attribute me to something there and the quote. And they're very much relating to that energy of creating that unity in fashion, unity in education. Unity in marriage, Unity in everything. I like have my Unity Flow podcast now. I started slowly, slowly scaling it. And there were artists who wanted me to manage them and to book for them and, and speakers. And started to the point where I didn't need to work for this corporate company. But first, the irony was I needed some way to get out of this corporate company. So mm-hmm. one of the things was I was moving from out of Jerusalem back to Jerusalem. And there was a company in Jerusalem who wanted me to manage their customer service department. So I managed them. And I was able to then say bye-bye to the corporate. So it was a way out. And then over the road from the the company I was managing was a recording studio. So now all the musicians would start to see me day-to-day come in the store, because we were doing phones, electronics. And they came in. And the main guy who I ended up working with, Miss Black, came, a a hip-hop artist came in and said, Ellie, I want you to be my manager. Can you do both? I don't want to take you away from your current job because it's not scaled enough for my business, but I want you to be my manager. I said, yeah, I'll try and do both. And I did for manager for about six months. I managed to manage this company and manage an artist, but it got way too much because we were spending like, like in one week, we were three times over the Atlantic, you know, in, on the plains. Oh, and, wow. You know, like, yeah, like that That amount of events were going on. We did an event in Times Square that same week. Like it was massive, stuff was developing and I couldn't hold on to um, a position and manage an artist. So I chose the artist. And then after a few months of that, I realized this is just too much. So I chose to just be a booking agent and I can focus on the unity aspect. What would that mean? Instead of just building this artist, which is what managing an artist is about, I could build my own agency and product and build my own personal brand, which the coronavirus is, challenge this year has only sped up that focus as I'm sure you can relate is yeah. you have much more time to reflect and much more time to plan your own you know development instead of just all the other people I was busy helping develop through bookings and and other projects and one of the things I've realized that in order to really help other people truly I'm going to have to first get myself more unified more unit united like more together And that meant, like, my marriage had to become more important. My children had to become more important. My family life, my health, my lifestyle had to be more enhanced. And I had to develop more real relationships with people like yourself and not just, you know, these one-off whatever, like, you know, just making a booking and doing a gig. Like, it had to be, like, real relationships. Same with my clients and same with all the people I talk to online online. If they send me something, I have to respond in an authentic, real way and, you know, treat people how I'd want to be treated and all this kind of stuff and really worked hard on it. So the point where the concept of unity inspires projects is now manifesting in real time. It's not just mm-hmm. the theory. Like, I'm trying to live this now. And I think that's a big point to a lot of people in business and podcasting or whatever they're doing. It's not enough to talk the talk. The talk. You've got to walk it. You've got to live it. Yeah. make it into your daily plan. Like, how are you gonna manifest this? So one of the ways was to write the book every day. And that was thanks again to our Zula meetings. And now writing a book, like I said before, became my mission statement of Wow, what am I gonna do? But like I said, the goal is to have a series and be, once I've got myself clear, then I can be collaborative to other people. Mm -hmm. That's the idea that the more your mission, like I see with my, that's Myron, you've got your mission clear, now you can clear in a clear way, in a simple way, include other people into that. And it's not too much. Yes. And that's something which is, you know, I'm watching you and learning from that. And the more and more in our network, the more the people we're meeting who doing it on a, they've already done it in their way, like their brand, their project, you can start to understand, like, for example, when you look in the podcasting world, and I think that's a very important way of communicating now. Joe Rogan, for example, that authentic conversation that he's having with people just Uh and for hours, the long form of just chilled conversation, not too much pressure and not too much marketing and and higher ups getting involved and Hollywood getting involved, just a very real conversation. Uh No like agendas, just very authentic. And that kind of media is very attractive to me. And I think one of the reasons it is and I would say again, for many other podcasters like Tim Ferriss, um, Tom Bilou, Lewis Howes, all these kind of guys out there. Um, you know, there's, there's a few lady ones I listen to. I'm just trying to remember and um, their names. For some reason, it's gone out of my head. But there's the, you know, if not now, then when. That podcast and there's a bunch of, you know, Oprah. Of course, is always someone I've, I've listened to over the years. But the point is that with all these people out there what I've understood is that there's an awakening of consciousness that people want to communicate and connect. Yeah.
0: Because
1: And one of the ways is through this podcast format. Why would they sit and listen to us? Because we're having a conversation and I want you to come back to me in what I'm saying. I want to just keep talking, talking
0: because <laughs> the conversation
1: <laughs> aspect, it, no, it makes it real. Like it,
0: No, absolutely. It, it, like, like, it, it really, we yeah. never, see, the thing is, is I never actually know what we're ever going to really talk about. I love that. I truly love that. I try to keep it as organic as possible and let it happen the way it's meant to happen. And, you know, I feel like I've, I'm sure you kind of feel the same way. You're just a messenger here in this time to be showing something in a different light. And we're both trying to show God and higher spirituality in a different light than maybe what we've been accustomed to. You know, like it's, it's, um, I and that's actually when I even though my last name is pronounced Myronic and people have these Myronic experiences, I give all the humor to that of God. (laughs) You know how, how I happen to be born with that name, you know, but I don't look at it as my word, I look at it as everybody's word because it's my irony. But we take out the I because it's not about I, it's about we, and it's about something so much greater. And my vision is to see people share their Myronies in addition to their selfies on social media, and being able to connect on that level. Because, and that's actually why this podcast is the way that it is. It's to show these level of connections. Like, how did that happen? So, like, to hear how you connected to Jeff, which is how we connected, is so incredible. Because you know, I've only know him virtually. But I do feel like he's a true friend because I've had those conversations and, you know, and it's like, I know our conversations are going to continue because what you're, what, what you are truly creating and with unity inspires, like it is all about inspiring and thinking, you know, how can we start having everybody be raised to this higher level of consciousness? And when we can start looking at it more as this, you know, we're having this spiritual experience in, in a human existence. And, and I live sure. my life so much by that of I'm always looking at what is my higher self trying to to show me, teach me, you know, how can I help others? And I truly believe, you know, we're here. We go through what we go through. We go through, like, I actually, I mean, you've listened to my podcast, but I, I've gone through, I believe I've gone through all the trials and tribulations solely that i can help others because how else could i help others unless i've gone through it
1: sure that's it it's real life it's real it's real content it's real connection and that realness is what people are thirsty for like the fake media or whatever they call i don't like using these terminologies but the way the world has gone in 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 terms of the mainstream stuff is very not real and therefore people are um, sort of distancing from that and wanting real content like I follow a bunch of different podcast shows in England and like they're not not my culture like we're talking about you know like uh, one of the shows I follow like guy called Chucky Online it's it's you know I'm going to just say it, what it is it's black culture yeah mm-hmm. and it's very cool all hip-hop house dance kind of famous boxers and like that kind of culture from from London and I was part of that a little bit growing up because I didn't grow up in the Jewish world. I grew up in more like a mix of everybody, thank God. I had a very unified upbringing when I went to school with all kinds of different religions and cultures and, and you know a lot of refugees from Somalia came in when I was at school. So I met Somalians and I met Brazilians and I met in my school, there was so much because I went to a public school. I wasn't in the private system even though my parents could have, could have afforded it. But for some reason, my parents wanted me to have a different experience. In okay. And I appreciate that. And it's given me ability to connect to all kinds of people. And the rabbi I work for, he's all about connecting to every kind of people, not just the Jewish people. And he's, he's a visionary in the Jewish world of trying to get the Jewish people to think in a bigger way that we have a message not just to, to our own people and to heal from all our struggles. We've gone through the Holocaust, gone through this. through that Israel and all the struggles of the state goes through we have a bigger vision of connecting to the world with light and spiritual energy and positive messages of how to live a more happy fulfilled life that kind of message so I'm very happy to work for a rabbi like that and I'm very happy to help him and his studio classes and bring all kinds of musicians and guests we've had all different cultures and minorities there and it's really amazing to manifest this in a weekly level in my studio in Jerusalem but also to manifest it um, for music I have two collaboration albums um, and one collaboration EP out of all different artists you know men women all different styles of music and I'd like to do more this is just the beginning of a hope to have another one out in the summer again and thank god people are reaching out to me for their music and their tracks and some of them are artists who are just beginning and some of them are established artists and I think it's good to bridge them all and give everyone equal opportunity in music. And um, in terms of, uh, you know, how to bring it out more, I think the only way I can, once I put out my book, please God, to go the next level will be with what you're doing today, which is basically to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Because I can't, there's only so much, I have what I want to say, but I look a certain way. I'm living in Jerusalem. People are going to like, oh, he's in a box. He's in Israel he's part of that thing and one of the things I enjoyed hanging out with Jeff was I always try to break those definitions wait a minute this guy like isn't in that box and wait a minute he grew up there and he was with Led Zeppelin or you know with uh, Lenny Kravitz and you know you know whatever musician you're into music style he Mm -hmm. was with those people and you know Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney and that was my upbringing and David Bowie and like you know the queen and you know all the different things i experienced and i don't mean the royalty because i also met the queen as well but i'm not talking about like all the different levels i I remember the first one of the funniest parties i went to was prince william's birthday party yeah oh wow a very yeah i met a very nice blonde girl there who fell for me and (laughs) uh i wrote a song called emily and i trained. my wife doesn't like when i bring this story up but then i I changed the song to family and actually it's out there song family. I put it out on SoundCloud and it's now on Spotify. I've recently released my, my only album that I ever did. It's a bit old school, but I put it on Spotify and there's a song called family, but it was originally Emily. You know, not many people know that.
0: Oh my God. Thanks
1: to my interesting upbringing. And that's where we start to see a very larger picture of myrony or divine providence or serendipity, where everything starts to come together you start to see how every single experience you had as a kid now or every single person you were blessed to know growing up with has a a significance even now
0: Mm -hmm. like and
1: I make I try make a big effort to reach out to those people practically even now like uh, Emily I haven't heard from for years if she's out there (laughs) you know some regards but I mean like other than that, like those experiences, like one of my best friends was with me that night and we're still friends, you know? Mm-hmm. We'll, we were just recently zooming, Zoom chat each other and had a great catch up. And, uh, you know, he was there with me in those days and we're still, you know, best friends now. And I think it's really important that you maintain your relationships and you see how those experiences are formational and it's all, that's on an individual level, but on a larger level, communal level, the ability yeah. to take it to the next level. I didn't have your experiences, so I can't impact your sphere of influence like you can. And yeah. I can't impact someone else's sphere of so The only way we're really going to unify is, is to learn how to communicate on a soul level and to really get connected more. And that yeah. that's like a project I think we all need to engage in. And we need to use the social media tools to enhance that, not to God forbid, like they're saying in the Social Dilemma documentary, make it worse. You know, like the algorithms are against us. We need to actually do something about that in a a proactive way. You know, there's all this activism now, cancel cancel culture, all this stuff going on. We need to be much more proactive And how are we going to connect? How is the left and the right going to communicate? How is this and that? What is the wavelength where they can communicate? And that's where I think if people would realise that they have a soul and that soul is is so vital to their existence and to their life and their relationships that they can then start to learn the communication of soul. And that yes. would be something which I need help in. I can't do that alone. Yes. I'm only really one soul.
0: It's it going to take a collective. I agree. It's all about collaboration when we when we want to look at this. If we really want to impact the world and impact humanity in a different level, and it's funny how you you know you keep bringing up box because that's what I keep saying that I'm trying to do is break God out of this box, you know. And 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 if if people aren't okay with saying God, that's okay too. It's wherever people are really at, you know. It's like if, if, you, if you're comfortable saying universe because of religion, you weren't able, you know, I was one of those people, but I was shown something totally different. And that's another whole conversation of why I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of trying to show God in this different light. And, you know, and, and the Myronies are the, um, we can connect the dots, but I love to say there are spiritual breadcrumbs. And sometimes it's literally the smallest crumb that will have the biggest impact and will literally create the miracles in our lives and in others. And if we can all start connecting on that greater level. So I just, I just love what you're doing. I know I definitely want to have you back on for more conversation about this because I think, I think you and I are very similar in a lot of ways of where we're just trying to really bring a different awareness. And I, you know, I, I that's why I say discover my irony in your inner superpower, you know, like I call it my spiritual spidey sense because I do everything based on intuition in the sense of like something happens and I'm like, Oh, okay. What's that next door going to open? You know, but it, it, when we can really live from that place of our, of our soul and our higher selves and, also this divine, this this beautiful, and I love as you say, divine providence, because that is, I truly believe that's us having this conversation today. Yes. So so Ellie, how I appreciate can, it. I mean like one
1: can, of the things one of the things I'd want to discuss at another time would be like the recovery world. And you know, there's so much you can learn from that world and how they have to seek that higher power to overcome their addictions and like now with technology how do we deal with this Uh, there's so many different you know platforms of discussion that we could do that could help people if we're just given that time and opportunity to get that information out there
0: absolutely no one
1: idea yeah yeah well i have a whole plan an online recovery center you know but like with opportunity for people to communicate more in private ways and I have a lot of visions that I'd love to put into reality. It just needs um, very realistic, uh, scalable, executionable opportunities how to do it. So that's why I'm very much right about with process and taking my time. And as much as I have a lot to do, I'm not gonna rush it. And that's why I appreciate you guys giving us the time to talk this, we already did so much, but it's almost an hour
0: and that's amazing. you know. I know it has been, it has been amazing. And you know, with what you're talking about with the recovery, I mean, I had to deal with prescription drug addiction and pretty severe alcohol abuse too, but it wasn't until I was able to connect to that higher way of looking. And that's actually another thing that I do. I call it my myrony mentoring, where I show people what I did, but I'm like, here, let me give you a blueprint, a very simple way, you know, and it's through books and it's through experience. And when people say, what are your credentials? I say life. When you get to the point where you do want, you know, if you get to the point where you're about to take your life, it doesn't matter how you get there. I also believe in, this, in the other side. It doesn't matter how you get to God, as long as you get to God, you know, whatever that is, just just know that, it, or, you know, just just open up the door of something greater than just ourselves, you know? And, but I love, um, I wanted to get into actually how you're known as the midnight rabbi. Cause I mean, that first off just sounds like a really yeah, cool Yeah, that connects cool into to the
1: recovery <laughs> aspect. Cause it's a cool name. Cause I was uh, with at risk teenagers on the streets late at night. And uh, it really was a hard four or five years of not sleeping in my bed for, and my wife can testify bringing up little kids without me there most nights. And I literally was just helping, excuse to use that word again, but I was really trying to just connect with the teenager culture at that time, and yeah. understand them and connect with them and give them that time where they were more relaxed and less on guard. Or, you know, a lot of them were on American hours because they were American at risk teenagers in, in, in Jerusalem at the time. And they were on, a, you know, up, up all night, sleeping all day, like I wanted to be there and I now have my own teenage kids. You know, like That's why it's, that's my excuse. I say to people, I've got my own, I'm not at risk, but borderline, you know, they're, they're having their struggles and I need to be there for them right now right. more than, you know, what's out in the streets. So, but it definitely gave me insight and uh, you know, working in a rehab as well was an amazing opportunity. And I just, I feel that there's so much we can do for, uh, for the new generation is to give them just tools of of awareness like my, the fact yeah. that my son my oldest son even though he's going through teenage struggles but he always comes out with an awareness that this is from a higher power and the only way he's going to overcome his struggles is you know whatever I don't want to get into they're not it's not for me to publicize but his struggles the only way is through the higher power and he's constantly aware of that and teaching it was such to other people who don't even have any belief you know yeah. even if it's a police officer who's trying to trying to you know arrest them or whatever he'll try and teach them then you know like whatever yeah. it is whatever situation scenario that comes up he's constantly saying but i see this as a as my early. i see this as a divine experience you know and i'm going through my struggles and i accept where i'm at and, and it is amazing to have children that have that awareness i have a daughter that's married and she has that awareness that all that she's going through is, you know, with that divine awareness. And for me, the fact that they have a relationship, even if they're not the most religious looking people like in the world, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the Jewish you know, standards, because they're very high standards. If you would know how they, you know, like every culture has its standards, you know, right. it's rule book, you know like the royalty has their standards. So in the Jewish world, there's that as well. And even though it's BS, but you know, it has its use as well uh, for positive stuff as well, making boundaries like there's some good aspects to it as well. But my kids don't exactly like you know, on the top of that, in terms of the external aspect, of the internal, the relationship that they have, yeah. And that for me is like that is proving my point. Same with a lot of my students and people I connect with, my friendships, it's about real relationships, just like a relationship with a higher power is real relationships, and that is the key to really healing a lot of this and that's why i have another podcast called relationship flow because it's oh. all just about right now i'm talking about in yeah i'm talking about intimacy right now and how all the different aspects of intimacy how it has to be very focused experience that soul connection and it's something which is you know it's hard to explain in a podcast format but i'm working on it week by week 10 minutes a week and i would do more if i had more you know infrastructure but i'm happy right now to just do baby steps
0: you know yeah well you are really here to inspire and transform the world so i feel so honored sure. and truly blessed to have had this conversation with you so what's the best way for people to connect with you
1: so um unity inspires projects at gmail.com is always welcome anyone can reach out like you did so much and also my linkedin account uh, was how we met through um You know, my profile is Ellie Goldsmith, and also Twitter is Goldsmith uh, Ellie. Um, My Instagram, Unity Inspires Projects. Um, I have a bunch of other accounts and different projects I've been involved with, but that's the main one I'd like to share here. And I'm also on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel, also Unity, Ellie Unity Goldsmith, and a bunch of other channels that are connected in with larger and larger subscription there and um you know there's tiktok and all the different (laughs) brilliant apps you know i've even started turning up on um what's that new one the clubhouse and stereo and you know there's so much it's getting there's so much it's getting a (laughs) bit overwhelming but you know i think that the podcast format is amazing you know i just managed to transfer my podcast account to wordpress i don't know if you know that you can do that but It's automatically transferred all my podcasts to WordPress so that it turns into a blog format. Oh, wow. Everything. Yeah, I'm working with an app called Anchor App. I was recommended to it by Gary V. one of Gary V's posts on LinkedIn. I took note and he always seems to be ahead of the game. So I went on to Anchor App a bunch of years ago and now what they've just done the last few, few weeks is you can transfer your whole podcast repertoire onto a blog format of wordpress and then you can obviously you know upgrade it and do better and better fit tools of it but it does it automatically it's amazing so all my podcasts now three of them are now as blogs as well
0: oh wow i so gotta so. i gotta do the same thing then because you know it's if- that's a great that's that's another great medium so well ali thank you so much i definitely would love to have you back in the future for sure and uh to everyone that's my see you next time thank you all for joining me on that's Myrony podcast i hope you enjoyed the myronic stories shared today and possibly got you to connect to the myronies in your own life as you listen to this podcast, you'll start catching signs that are so subtle, but can have the biggest impact on your life. So pay attention to that inner voice and watch the Myronies appear in your life, just like the guest in my next episode. And please connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and that's myrony.com, where you can share your unbelievable Myronies. Also, if you enjoyed what you heard and can take a moment to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform, it would mean so much because that is how others are able to find this podcast. Finally, please also tell your friends and family about Myrony because wouldn't it be fun to see people share their Myronies on social media in addition to their selfies? And remember, if something happens that makes you say, well, that's ironic, it's not ironic at all. It's Myronic. Now that's Myrony. See you next time.